they fuck all over the house. And I watch. Lynette spreads her legs on the toilet and pees for Clifton. And I watch. She sits on his face while he lounges on the couch with an after-dinner glass of wine. I sit on the adjoining couch, and I only get the wine. But I watch. I watch. And I stroke myself off into one of the handkerchiefs I purchased the third day. And then there is this. This time. He reached between his legs and soaped his balls, slowly stroking and squeezing them while the soap suds ran down his leg. Lauren moved her foot from the floor and brought it up on the bench next to her while she bent her knee away from her body, opening herself even wider. By the time he turned around to face her again, she had two fingers buried to the second knuckle. Seeing the state of his hard cock, she groaned softly and began to pump her fingers in and out of her wet pussy, grazing her clit just enough to bring her to the edge of coming and keep her there. There you have it. Just a taste of deliciously dirty poetry. Stay with me for the rest of the episode, and I'll give you the whole enchilada. The theme of this episode is to watch and be watched, the voyeur and the exhibitionist. Our first story is about a possibility that you might not have considered in today's world, even with our infinite variety of blended families, even with all of our polyamory and our monogamish relationships and the multitude of our romantic and erotic and domestic arrangements, still perhaps you might not have considered the possibility of the live-in voyeur. You'll discover that uncommon arrangement when we give a listen to this episode of Dirty Poetry. This is Making Myself at Home, written by Jeremy Edwards. Quote, I kept expecting a boundary to rear up on the horizon, a barrier to reveal itself as I progressed steadily through the not-so-tall grass of Clifton and Lynette's private life, nurturing my investment and my involvement in their intimacy as a couple. Until it was absolute, they erected no barrier. They observed me and tolerated me, and it was with their full knowledge and their implicit consent that I acquired the habit of watching them fuck whenever they fucked. They neither encouraged me nor discouraged me. There was a moment last week when I thought, for the first time, I'd crossed the line. Heading for the bathroom, after what I can personally affirm was a first-class cowgirl-style bounce, Lynette paused while crossing the hall and nodded to me as I masturbated there in the corner where I'd stationed myself for the view into the room she'd just come from. The nod embodied cordiality, but stopped short of complicity, allowing, of course, for a variety of positions 
All of this was essentially no different from the numerous nights that had preceded this one. What did make this occasion different was the fact that the underwear from which my cock protruded arching upward into my fist was Lynette's underwear. I'd stumbled on a stray pair of powdered blue panties on the floor of the closet and had speculated correctly that they would help me feel even closer to her when I jacked off watching her get fucked. I saw her face register the panties. One second later, I saw it register the impartial acceptance that I'd become used to. Dennis wants to wear my powdered blue panties while masturbating. Check. She nodded once more, involuntarily this time, I thought, and proceeded to the bathroom. Laying in bed that night, I cherished the recent memory of, of Lynette squatting hungrily over Clifton and then lowering herself to claim what she craved. Her sensitive face expressed every nuance of the joy associated with engulfing a substantial shaft. Her luscious ass basked in its creamy nakedness. Her thighs, whose contours I'd been shamefully slow to master, were shown off as thick and smooth, each offering a lean yet ample meal to my hypothetical lips. While she bounced on his lap, Clifton peeled, unpeeled, and repeeled the left spaghetti strap of Lynette's camisole, flirting with the nudity of her shoulder even as her bare bottom warmed his thigh and her cunt dined on his cock, treating her like a gift to be unwrapped over and over. Then, after I came into the sheets of the guest bed, I thought about the powdered blue panties. Wallowing in my stickiness, I had the insight that I wanted to be Lynette in some sort of sexual fashion. It wasn't that I wanted to be fucked by Clifton, or at least I didn't think so. No, I wanted to be Lynette because I desired her. Did that make sense? I asked myself to have such deep lust for a woman that I longed to penetrate herself. To experience her erotic essence from the inside out. The concept resonated, and I slept well that night. And what Clifton did for me, I realized the next day, was to make it all safe. Their relationship, their intimacy, they denied me nothing, and I was fulfilled. This was why. At my own insistence, I'd been cooking all their dinners and cleaning every corner of their apartment down to the last mahogany-colored pubic hair left by sweet Lynette on the rim of the bathtub. I owed them so much. On a wintry Saturday evening that now seems so very long ago, I had taken the train to meet Clifton and Lynette at a restaurant. We adjourned to a bar afterwards, and then another. It was bitterly cold when we were finally ready to call it a night, and it had begun to snow. Their apartment was within walking distance, mine a lengthy commute away. Lynette suggested that I crash at their place, and Clifton quickly seconded the offer. Maybe she knew. Maybe she had long known. 
that I was fascinated by her, and if she knew, maybe she told him. Naturally, this wouldn't have discouraged their hospitality under the circumstances. I was an old friend, after all. The first intimacy I witnessed was Lynette's hand on Clifton's ass when he unlocked the apartment door. My eyes went from his ass to hers. I felt like I was reciprocating her caress with my attention. There was a slight asymmetry to the way her stonewashed jeans favored her buttocks. The curve of the left buttocks was casually denoted by the jeans, as if the pants were in a hurry on that side. But oh, that right buttock, there we lingered, the jeans and I. Despite my inevitable focus on Lynette's derriere, the significance of her hand on her husband's did not elude me. Even before we crossed the literal threshold of their private space, I had been promptly, if unintentionally, hustled inside the tent of their sex life. They were kissing deeply in front of the kitchen sink when I came out of the bathroom half an hour later, holding the borrowed toothbrush upright. It was a classic pose, arms around each other, his hands on her waist and hers on his back. I stopped to relish it. Lynette opened her eyes momentarily and saw me. Then she shut them again, and the romance continued. I sat down at the kitchen table, ostensibly to drink from the water glass that I had left there before going to brush and floss. I drank slowly. The snow became heavy overnight and kept on so forcefully that by Sunday morning, any, quote, unessential travel was officially frowned on. We were advised that the train service would be erratic. Lynette looked delicious in the ribbed long johns that she used as pajamas, matched top and bottoms in a faint cranberry pink. The half-inch moth hole in the bottoms fell neatly at the base of her right buttock. The happy glow of her naked ash flesh winked at me through that eye-like gap as she and Clifton bustled around preparing breakfast. When Clifton insinuated a sneaky finger there to tickle Lynette's rump, she squirmed and giggled, and then she turned her head to see if I was looking. Maybe we shouldn't, said her expression. Clifton then turned his head, too, and I saluted them soberly with my coffee mug. They both avoided my direct gaze, but Clifton let his finger freeze in his wife's bottom cheek rather than retracting it. Any plans the couple had made for the next day were moot given the weather, and it was no surprise that they urged me to stay put until Monday. Alone at their kitchen table with the newspaper, I tried not to be an obtrusive presence, especially because the more they forgot I was there, the more they drifted into private behavior. After a half hour with the art section, I had the impulse to tiptoe toward the doorway into the living room. There, Lynette and Clifton, still in their sleepwear, shared a couch cuddling over the crossword puzzle. Her legs were in his lap. I tiptoed back to the kitchen and read another article. When I returned a few minutes later, Clifton's hand was up Lynette's top. I sat down on my side of the doorway. I was so quiet, they didn't notice me. 
until Lynette's pajama top was completely off and Clifton was sucking on one of her small, pale breasts while fondling the other. Her narrow mouth was open in incipient ecstasy. A raised eyebrow showed that my attendance startled her, but she was not about to interrupt the proceedings on my account. Clifton's right eye had caught me as well. It bulged, but did not bulk. I was glued to my place. In fact, sitting cross-legged with a sincere heart on, I couldn't have got up if I'd wanted to. Soon Lynette sighed, wiggling beautifully with what I took for a minor foreplay climax. Then she disengaged Clifton from her nipple. I could see his saliva shimmering there. We should go to the bedroom, she told him. Please don't. I said calmly, but emphatically, surprising myself with my vehemence, not to mention my honesty. Lynette's eyebrow again. I, I hate to make you get up and move in your own home, I fainted, clearly making no pretense of getting up and moving myself. I don't care if he doesn't, says, said Clifton with a shrug after a short stage pause. Oh, I cared, all right, but I was content with the thought that all roads lead to Rome. I guess we're all adults, said Lynette, in the most neutral voice I'd ever heard employed by anybody. Nothing more was said. It's been three weeks, and nothing more has been said. They fuck all over the house, and I watch. Lynette spreads her legs on the toilet and pees for Clifton, and I watch. She sits on his face while he lounges on the couch with an after-dinner glass of wine. I sit on the adjoining couch, and I only get the wine. But I watch. I watch. And I stroke myself off into one of the handkerchiefs I purchased the third day, along with enough clothing basics to last the laundry week. The trains, of course, are running as scheduled now, and I could catch any one of them back to the suburbs. Sometimes when I walk to work in the morning, I think that's what I'm going to do at the end of the day, just as I used to do every day. But always, I see reason. Why undertake a 70-minute commute to an apartment that provides no view of Lynette's right buttock, whose bathtub rim is devoid of her pubic hairs, an apartment where, when masturbating about Lynette each morning and each night, I wouldn't be watching her. If only I could have conceived of this paradise, I would have asked to go home with Clifton and Lynette years ago, to become a silent partner in their endless fucking, to join Lynette in being fucked from the sidelines, to taste every one of Lynette's intimate ecstasies from the sidelines, to have Lynette and be Lynette from the sidelines. Unquote. That flight of fancy, that ingenious invention, was a product of the soaring mind of the author Jeremy Edwards. Jeremy Edwards is the author of what he calls the erotocomedic novels, The Pleasure Dial and Rock My Socks Off, along with the erotic short story collection Sparked My Moment. His stories have appeared in over 50 short story anthologies, including several volumes in 
the Mammoth Book of Best New Erotica series, the editor of the Mammoth Book Erotica series, Maxim Jakubowski, says, Jeremy Edwards leads the pack of a new scintillating generation of American erotica writers who combine wit and sexiness in equal parts. Both of our stories do come from the volume in that series that is entitled The Mammoth Book of Quick and Dirty Erotica, an anthology of erotic short stories edited by Maxim Jakubowski. Our next author is an experienced craftsperson in the world of erotic writing. D.L. King has written short stories that have appeared in over 75 different anthologies. Among them, Best Women's Erotica, Best Lesbian Erotica, Girl Crazy, Frenzy, Yes Ma'am, Yes Sir, and the mammoth book of Best New Erotica from our own editor, Maxim Jakubowski. In addition... D.L. King has edited 13 anthologies of short stories herself. Among them, The Harder She Comes, Butch Femme Erotica. That one was the winner of the Lambda Literary Award and the Independent Publishers Gold Medal. She lives in New York City. The Exhibitionist and the Voyeur depend on each other for their stimulation. One needs the other, and many of us have both the urge to watch and to be watched balanced in us. Many of us can switch from one to the other. Our next story is a tale of one of those situations that turn from the watched to the watcher. Let's take a listen. This is her Turn, written by D.L. King. Quote, Lauren held her palm up to her mouth and slowly licked the first three fingers before starting at the top of her left breast and running them down and over the taut nipple. She skipped over most of her torso, making contact with her flesh again just under her navel. She looked out at the dark glass in front of her, tilted her head, letting her straight brown hair cascade down the side of her pale body, and smiled. She knew he was there just on the edge of coming, the same guy that had been feeding token after token into her meter. God knows how much he'd already spent. She wasn't keeping track, but this was her last window. Her shift was ending. The fingers moved steadily down her shaved mound to the very top of her slit. She opened her folds with two fingers and let her middle finger touch her clit, which was already erect and protruding. She heard a muted gasp. She also heard the movement of the chain as the metal wall began to slide down, covering the dark window. The way the booth was lit, she couldn't see out, but she could hear her audience. No, 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 fuck. Lauren got up to leave as Irina, her replacement, 
entered the booth and the metal partition once again rose on its chains. Wait, no, wait, wait a minute. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Lauren looked back at the glass and blew a kiss and then wiggled her fingers in a farewell wave before she stepped out, her long hair swinging, and closed the door behind her. She had started doing sex work when she was in grad school. She danced topless and stripped and made some very good money. Her student loan balance was extremely manageable, and she'd been able to pay her living expenses without a problem. Now that she was almost finished with her dissertation for her doctorate in human sexuality, she was thinking that she might miss sex work, or at least this kind of sex work. As a sex therapist, she figured she'd still have her hand in, so to speak. She'd been working the afternoon shift from noon to 4.30, and she was getting hungry. She planned to get home about 6 o'clock. Sal, her boyfriend, would already be there. Maybe they'd go out for dinner after. After they'd gotten cleaned up and de-stressed from their separate work days. Or maybe he'd cook. Sal was gorgeous. He was six feet of muscled Italian beefcake. A trader by day, he was her private gourmet chef by night. He'd been taking Saturday classes at one of the city's best culinary institutes because he preferred a kitchen to the exchange floor. He practiced on her. As soon as he had his culinary degree, he planned to quit the market and open a little Italian restaurant downtown. He had everything it took to be successful, business sense, looks, and real talent in the kitchen. He also had his restaurant nest egg stashed safely away for just the right time. Yep, he was a great Italian cook, but right now, Lauren knew what she'd prefer to slather in his special red sauce, and it wasn't cannelloni. Work always made her horny. It was a bit of a commute to the apartment that she and Sal shared. It was one of those unbelievable new places across the river. She'd never been able to afford anything like this, but together, they were doing all right. Actually, Sal paid the lion's share of the rent, but, as he kept saying, she'd be supporting him once she completed her degree and started charging a couple hundred bucks an hour as a sex therapist. When they'd gone apartment hunting, it had been the bathroom that sold around the apartment. It was big and luxurious. Her last apartment's bathroom had been out in the hall. It wasn't like she had to share it or anything. It was just that you actually had to go out the front door of the apartment and open another door to get into the bathroom. It wasn't all that uncommon, and she'd gotten used to it, but it was so small, you could barely turn around, and there was only one tiny window in the shower, and that faced a brick wall. This bathroom had both a soaking tub and a glass-enclosed shower. It had a vanity area with two sinks, beautiful modern fixtures, opulent tiling. There was a big picture window over the tub so you could look out over the river toward Manhattan while you were soaking. The room was light and airy, and she would have spent all her time there if Sal had let her. The selling point for him, of course, had been the kitchen. And quite a kitchen it was. It was big and open to the living space. 
It had a Bosch dishwasher and a KitchenAid refrigerator and a Viking range. It seemed he had the same affinity to the kitchen that she had to the bathroom, and she practically had to drag him out of it more often than not. The apartment was a wet dream come true. Heaven forbid that they should ever break up. She didn't think she could go back to living in some hole on East 83rd Street again. When she got to the building's entrance, she checked her watch. It was just 6 o'clock. Sal should be home by now and waiting for her. Taking the elevator up to the 15th floor, she very quietly let herself into their apartment. She made her way to the bedroom and took her shoes off. She left her jeans and sweatshirt in a pile on the floor. She quietly entered the dark bathroom, wearing only a pair of black satin tanga panties. Sal had closed the blinds to block out an ambient city light and had turned off the main bathroom light. The only light in the room was in the ceiling of the glassed-in shower itself, and it was focused on the naked body presently occupying that space. Lauren took a seat on the towel bench against the far wall facing the shower. Once she had closed the door, the bench and most of the bathroom became cloaked in shadows. She leaned against the wall and spread her legs. The light in the shower ceiling was like a spotlight on his naked body. She watched as he ran his soapy hands down his chest. He circled his nipples and pinched them slowly. As the water sluiced down, straightening the hair on his chest, Lauren watched his cock react to the attention that he paid to his nipples. He added more soap to his big hands and leaned his head back, closing his eyes. He soaped his neck, bringing his hands back down to his chest again, this time circling and teasing his nipples with his fingers. His hands continued to his navel, but instead of wrapping around his cock, they circled toward the back of his body and his ass. Lauren's breath caught. She let one hand snake down inside her panties while the other one teased one of her nipples. Sal turned around, facing away from her, and bent over, giving her a good view of his ass. As he spread his legs, she could see his full balls hanging low between his legs, with more soap on his hands. He soaped the globes of his bottom and slipped them into the crack. While he ran them slowly up and down the split between his cheeks, Lauren ran her index finger up and down the now slick folds of her own sex. He inserted his hands into the crack and pulled his ass cheeks apart, exposing his opening to her. She heard him groan. She was groaning quietly, too, as she had dipped a finger inside herself while holding her labia open. She watched the water run down between his ass cheeks while he slowly stroked and rimmed his hole with a finger before letting go of his flesh. His hands disappeared for a moment, returning again, freshly soaped. This time, he reached between his legs and soaped his balls, slowly stroking and squeezing them while the soap suds ran down his leg. Lauren moved her foot from the floor and brought it up on the bench next to her while she bent her knee away from her body, opening herself even wider. By the time he turned around to face her again, 
She had two fingers buried to the second knuckle. Seeing the state of his hard cock, she groaned softly and began to pump her fingers in and out of her wet pussy, grazing her clit just enough to bring her to the edge of coming and keep her there. With soapy hands, Sal wrapped a fist around his cock while his other hand automatically went for his balls. As he began to slowly stroke his cock, he broke the third wall of the performance and looked directly at Lauren. As their eyes met, a thrill of electricity shot through her brain, directly to her clip. Her fingers stilled, and not letting her eyes lose contact with his, her body bucked out its orgasm. After it was over, she stripped off her underwear and stood on slightly shaky legs. Hi, baby. How was your day? Mind if I share the shower with you? She slowly advanced on him, the slightly exaggerated sway of her hips driving him crazy, stepping inside and letting the hot water beat down on her head. She grasped Sal's erect cock with one hand and wrapped her other arm around his waist and hugged him to her. Your turn, she said, right before their mouths met, and her thumb brushed lightly over the head of his cock. Unquote. And there you have it. Another heaping helping of deliciously dirty poetry. Stay tuned for the next episode of Dirty Poetry. <laughs> Using the word poetry very loosely, of course. <laughs>